Well, we're in Colossians chapter 4, and uh, we have this message and one more to go before we conclude the book of Colossians. And uh, I don't know about you, but I have thoroughly uh, enjoyed this study. Uh, Paul's purpose in writing to the, the church Colossae was to mature the believers that were there. Um, that was Paul's passion in life, to see men, women, boys, and girls come to know Jesus Christ and then grow in Christ-like maturity. And so Paul spent the first half of this book uh, focusing on the person of Jesus Christ, that uh, Jesus is our all. If you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. Jesus is our all in all. And then the second half of the book is a very practical uh, instruction, application. And as you look at Paul's letters that he writes in the New Testament, that's typically how he writes these letters. The first half is uh, doctrine, and the second half is application. So we are in the application portion of Colossians, and uh, he's going to share uh, four very practical things uh, for us this morning as we live out our life, what we are to be doing. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to look at verses 2 through 6 this morning. Paul says, Continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. At the same time, pray also for us, that God may open to us a door for the word, to declare the mystery of Christ, on account of which I am in prison that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul says four things that we need to be doing as children of God. The first one, he says, is be prayerful. Verse 2 says, continue steadfastly in prayer. You know, we just sang the song, I am a child of God. You know, I don't know if you've seen this before, I'm sure you've experienced it, but when, when we're children or when we have little ones around or if we had grandchildren around, they have a tendency of telling us everything, don't they? I mean, they like to share about what's going on in our life, in their life. And as children of God, guess what? God wants us to be sharing with him what's happening in our life as well. And that's easy when we're children. But, you know, as we grow older, we have a tendency of becoming much more sophisticated, don't we? And instead of talking to God, you know, we have a tendency of talking to ourselves when things are going on in our life. Uh, And then the scary thing is when we're talking to ourselves about things, the scary thing is when we answer uh, our own conversation. Uh, That's when we probably need to be seeking professional help. But Paul tells us as children of God to 
be steadfastly in prayer. Why? Because God is our Father. We are sons and daughters of the King. He is our Heavenly Father, and so we are to continue steadfastly in prayer. Now, why why does God want us to pray when he already knows what we're going to say? You know, people have asked me that question, and, uh, and this is what I've shared with them. Because God wants us to be in an intimate relationship with him. When we're in an intimate relationship with somebody, we are telling them what's going on in our life. And God wants us to be have that intimacy with him. Matthew chapter 6, verses 8 and 9 says, Your Father knows what you need of before you ask. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven. God is our Father. And our Father cares. He is your dad. And he wants you to get to know him. And so it's important that we tell him about Everything. Your dad's there. Keep talking. Steadfastly. Tell him about everything. Be unwavering. Be resolute. God cares. And God wants to hear from you. So that's the first thing that Paul tells us as believers to be steadfastly in prayer. He is your Father. He cares. And He wants to hear from you. He wants you and I to be intimate with Him. We can't be intimate with Him if if we don't have this conversation between uh, Him and I going on. Be prayerful. The second thing Paul tells us in this passage of Scripture is we need to be watchful. Watchful. We've got to wake up. We can't afford to sleep. We need to be aware of what's happening around us. Paul tells us in verse 3, the last part of verse 3, pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word. We need to be watching for open doors. We need to be praying for open doors. It's it's interesting what Paul asked the Colossians to pray for him about. He didn't ask that uh, the prison cell doors would be open. That's not what Paul prayed, asked the people to pray. No, he prayed for, uh, he prayed, he asked God, he asked the people to pray that Paul would be sensitive to open doors for the gospel ministry, for gospel conversations. And that's a good thing for you and I to pray for, that we be watchful for the doors that God will open in our life. Now, it's interesting how God opens doors. He doesn't open doors through arguments or through hate or indifference or intimidation. You know how God opens doors? Through love. 
As we, as we show the love of Jesus Christ to those who don't know him, as we are more concerned about them and what's going on in their life than we are in our own life, doors open up. It's God's love that opens doors. This, this, uh, this last Wednesday, we, we showed uh, the movie, I Can Only Imagine. How many have seen the movie, I Can Only Imagine? Okay, that's maybe half of us. I would really encourage you to see that, that movie. It, it's got a great message. But um, uh, it's a story about the lead singer for Mercy Me. His name is Bart. He grew up in an alcoholic home. His uh, mother mother left the, the marriage relationship uh, in his elementary years. And, uh, and so he was left to live life with this alcoholic father who was very abusive. And it was uh, interesting how God opened um, an alcoholic father's heart. It, was through, it wasn't through the arguments that Bart had with his dad. It was through the grace of God. God was working in Bart's dad's life. And Bart talked about uh, the song he heard uh, on the radio. Um, I'm not sure if his son had, son had sang it in church, but the song was Amazing Grace. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Arthur knew he was a wretch. And he needed the grace of God. He needed the forgiveness of God in his life to make him a new man. And so it wasn't because of the conversations, bad conversations, the the destructive relationship that was between a son and a father. But it was the grace of God that was working in Arthur's life. And at that moment, when when um, Bart came home off the road uh, from uh, his music tour, things weren't going well in his life. And uh, there was a lot of things he hadn't dealt with, and it, hadn't, it revolved around his relationship with his dad. Bart hadn't been very watchful. He wasn't open to God's grace and activity in his dad's life. And in a fit of rage, he, he stormed out of the house, and he tried to leave, but there wasn't keys in the truck, and pulled down the... the uh, the visor and come to discover that his dad had cancer and he wanders into the barn where his dad is and he's beating 
he's destroying the jeep that he and he had been um, um, restoring for his son, hoping that he and his son would be able to take a drive in this jeep. And because of the conflict that took place in the house, dad went out and he started destroying that jeep. Bart watched this, and suddenly Bart's eyes came open. And Bart saw a broken man who didn't have all the answers to the questions that he asked, he had about God. And in God opening Bart's eyes and breaking Bart's heart and giving him a love and a heart of forgiveness for his dad, there was an open door conversation. Church, Paul is telling us as believers that we need to be prayerful and we need to be watchful because what God's work is around us and God is working in people's lives. And we need to be sensitive to the Spirit of God around us. And when God opens a door, we can't force a door open. I think some of us have tried and have failed miserably. We can't force doors open. It's only God who opens doors. But when we see an open door, we need to walk through. Now, some of you get intimidated by that. And you think to yourself, what am I going to say? And you're afraid that you're going to blow it, that you're going to say the wrong thing. I want to just encourage you this morning. People don't get saved by the eloquence of your presentation. People don't get saved by your words. It's only one person who can save an individual, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, God wants to use your testimony. God wants to um, use your story. But your story cannot save a soul. It is only the Spirit of God. So don't put that pressure upon yourself. Some of you are here this morning, you're thinking to yourself, well, what do I say, Pastor? Well, I tell you, there's lots of really good tools out there that will help you um, lead out in a conversation. I have on the screen this morning um, this, uh, this Life Conversation. It's called, yeah, it's called Life Conversation. It's put out by um, North American Mission Board. If you've got a smartphone, you can download it on your app, uh, on your phone, this app. And uh, in this presentation, you can even press play. This, this, uh, this app will even do a life conversation for you. If you've got a friend or a loved one who has questions about God, God's, God's dealing with their heart, you can go with them through this uh, life conversation. And it starts with God's design. You know, God loves each and every person. God has created every one of us. But the Bible says in God creating us, um, we, 
we were born into sin. We, we are born with rebellious hearts. And because of this rebellion, it leads to brokenness. And oftentimes, when we're in a conversation with someone about the gospel, guess what? They're in a state of brokenness. There are various issues that are going on in their life, that their life is in shambles, and it is all a reflection of um, a life, a self-centered life. But Jesus came into the world, and the Bible says he lived the life that you and I could never live. He lived a perfect, sinless life. And, and, and Jesus went to the cross. Jesus went to the cross and took our sin, our brokenness, upon himself, put, put all that on himself, and he died. And he just didn't stay dead. Three days later, he came back from the grave. He conquered sin and death. That's what the Bible says God did through the person of Jesus Christ. And when we choose to believe what Jesus did for all of us, for the person that you're talking to, and you repent of your sin and believe in what Jesus did, guess what? Uh, You come into a relationship with God. You're a child of God, and God is there to help you to make wise decisions, decisions that will glorify him and benefit yourself. He gives you a purpose and a direction in life. This is a very simple presentation. And so it's important, church, that we know what to say. We need to have a plan as we have those gospel conversations with others as God opens doors. But just understand, your words are never going to save a person. It is only the person of Christ through the Holy Spirit. It's God who saves. So don't put that pressure on yourself. You just be a witness. That's all God asks us to do. So, you see in this passage of Scripture, we are to be prayerful, we are to be watchful, and number three, we're to be thankful. Now, this is a reoccurring theme in the book of Colossians. Five, Five different times in this book, Paul has been telling the children the believers at Colossae, that they need to be thankful. And then we need to remind ourselves um, where Paul is when he's writing these words. He's in prison. If anybody had the right to be depressed and discouraged about his circumstances, it would have been Paul. But that's not Paul's heart. Paul tells us in verse 2 again, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. God's supreme goal for our life is to love him regardless of circumstances. It's easy, I've said this before, it's easy to love God 
when you're on uh, June Lake or Silver Lake or Gull Lake uh, in a boat that doesn't leak, catching fish. It's, it's easy to love God. But it's another thing to be thankful for who God is in, in your life when circumstances aren't going your way. And Paul is encouraging children in this, in this book that we need to be thankful regardless of circumstances. We need to love God in both the good times and the bad times because that's the way life is. Life is like simultaneous train tracks. On one set of tracks, you know, life is good. Good things are happening in our life. And at the very same time, on the other train track, there are bad things that are happening in our life. And we need to learn to not be overwhelmed by the bad. And it's easy to be overwhelmed by the, by the bad. And we need to look for the good that's happening in our life as well so that there be balance, so that we can see God's activity, so that we can have a thankful heart. Because thankfulness is the fruit of the heart that is trusting the supreme wisdom of God. Thankfulness is the fruit of the heart that is trusting the supreme wisdom of God. How are you doing in the area of thankfulness this morning? It's really easy to be focused on the waves and and panic over what's not happening. And as we're obsessed by that, we miss what God is doing. Paul is encouraging us to be thankful. Paul, sitting in prison, of all people who could be discouraged and defeated, it could be Paul. Paul is thankful. Why is Paul thankful? Because there is absolutely nothing that can separate him from the love of God that is Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul knows beyond a shadow of a doubt, despite the circumstances, God is there. And God is working. And Paul isn't calling out for the prison doors to be open. No, Paul is calling out, crying out for doors for the gospel to be open right where Paul is at. That's Christ-like maturity. And that's where Paul wants us to get to. You know, it's, it's the atheist who says, you know, if God is so loving, why is Paul in prison? And when it comes to our relationship with with God, church, God wants us to love. God's given us a free free will to love him. And God doesn't want us to love him 
because of what he does for us, for the good things that happen in our life. God wants us to love him, period, and to trust his supreme wisdom. And even when things aren't going our way, as mature believers, we know that God has a plan and a purpose, and we're going to trust his sovereign will. I'm sure Paul would have preferred to be uh, in a lot of different places than a Roman prison cell. But Paul was trusting God's supreme wisdom over his life. There's a Eastern folklore. Uh, I heard Robbie Zacharias talk about this um, in a, in a U- YouTube uh, conversation. And the folklore goes like this, that um, one day uh, uh, an owner had, had a horse and he ran away. And the neighbor came and said, oh, what bad luck that your horse ran away. And the owner of the horse said, well, I don't know about these things. <clears throat> but then a couple of days later, the horse came back. And the horse came back with 20 wild horses. And the neighbor came back to the owner of the horse and said, Oh, what good luck. Your horse ran away, but now it's come back with 20 horses. And the owner of the horse said, Well, I don't know about these things. And then a few days later, the owner of the horse, his youngest son, was trying to train one of the wild horses. And the horse was so wild, he, he came down upon, uh, on top of uh, his, his son, and his son broke his leg. And the neighbor came and said, oh, what bad luck. Here, you're, all these horses came to you, and your son was training one, and now he's broken his leg. What bad luck. And the father said, I don't know about these things. And then... A few days later, a bunch of thugs came to uh, the owner of the horse's house, and they were looking for new recruits, and they were looking for able-bodied people to uh, join their gang. And they saw the owner of the horse's son, he had a bum leg, and he says, well, you can't be a part of our group, and they went on. And the neighbor came to the owner of the house and said, oh, what good luck. They overlooked your son, who uh, could have been in their gang. And the owner of the horse said, well, I don't know about these things. And he says, Rabbi Zachariah says this, in one little series of episodes, we don't know what lies ahead. Your life is one little series of episodes. And it's really easy to jump to conclusions over each one of them. And what you need to do is you need to be patient and trust the supreme wisdom of God and know that God is orchestrating these things for a reason. You You may not know what it is at the moment, but one day you will. Wait on the Lord and trust Him. 
And so here we see in this passage of Scripture that we're to be prayerful, we're to be uh, thankful, we're to be watchful, and then number four, we're to be relational. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Paul tells us when it comes to the outsider, the unbeliever, that we are to walk in wisdom toward outsiders. That we are to be gracious, verse 6. That our language, our words are to be seasoned with salt. Again, you are never going to win a person to Christ through an argument or by intimidation or anger or trying to force a door open. You're going to have an influence in another person's life through the love of God. And so when it comes to the outsider, Paul says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Be gracious. What does that mean? That means be filled with grace because of the grace that you've received. Warren Wiersbe says this, that a faith, we will be a faithful, says we will be faithful witnesses and not judges or prosecuting attorneys. Are your words gracious? Are you more concerned with what they have to say than what you have to say? Gracious means you're more concerned about what's going on in their life than trying to tell them what's going on in your life. Paul says, walk in wisdom toward the outsider, making best use of your time. Let your speech always be gracious and seasoned with salt. That doesn't mean that your words are to be salty. Okay? Colorful. They aren't to sound like the rest of the world. No, you don't have to be that way. You you don't have to be ashamed or embarrassed of your differences, that you don't use that kind of language. The Bible says, let your words be seasoned with salt. Be gracious and be truthful in love. That's how we are to be walking um, toward outsiders. Because when we're living lives that aren't gracious and our words are like the words of the rest of the world, you know what, church, we've lost our testimony. Our salt, we've lost our saltiness. And Jesus said we might as well be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. No, if we're going to walk in wisdom toward outsiders, our words need to be gracious and seasoned with salt 
so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. There's the scary part again. You know, you're afraid that if you're going to start opening your mouth to somebody that's on the outside who doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, they're going to ask you a question that you don't know how to answer. And guess what? If you don't know the answer, that's okay. Be humble enough to say, you know what? I'm sorry. I don't know the answer, but I'll find the answer and give back to you. It's okay to do that. Don't be afraid of that. But Paul is telling us that we need to be full of grace. We need to be full of life. The word for salt is life, flavor, um, adding life to to, uh, what's there. We need to be attractive and personable. First Peter chapter 3, verse 5 says this, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Paul is telling us in this text, Christians, be relational. Don't be hermits. Don't isolate yourself, but be relational, relational, especially with those on the outside. Be a person of grace and truth and love. Don't be a person who uses people, but be a person who loves people. Lots of people use people. Few people love people. God wants us to be believers who love others. Now, some of you are going through a season of life right now where you're just overwhelmed. And I want to just share with you, say to you this morning, that God knows. God understands where you're at. And he's encouraging you this morning, friend. Be prayerful. Don't talk to yourself about your problems. Talk to your father. Who cares? Who's there to listen? Who's there to encourage you in what you are going through? Be a person of prayer. Let God grow your faith through your current circumstances. But then also be watchful, church. God is at work around us. We can't afford to sleep or to have an inward focus. We need to have our antennas up and say, God, how do you want to use me? We don't have to force doors open. We can pray for open doors. But our responsibility is to love people. And as we love people, as we genuinely care about them, guess what? Doors will open. You can have those conversations. 
And then be thankful for every circumstance you find yourself in. And be relational. relational. Be a person full of grace and truth. These are the four things Paul tells us to be. Let's pray. Father, I fall so, so far short in each of these areas. It is so easy to get my attention, my focus on myself, on my problems, on, on the train track of nothing but problems, and miss, God, all that you are doing. And as a result, I don't have a thankful heart. I don't have a heart of gratitude. But one that's a heart that's hard and out of focus, impure, distracted. God, that only leads to a mess. There may be some others here in this room who have a similar story. But God, I thank you that you are a heavenly father, a father who cares who wants to restore, who wants to forgive, to set free. Lord Jesus, help us to be prayerful, to tell you everything and not wait to the last minute, but go to you first, just like a child does to their parents. We want to tell them everything. God, you want to hear from us. Help us to be watchful, to believe that, God, your activity is working in and around us and to join you, to pray for those open doors. And waiting on those open doors, help us to love people. Lord Jesus, like you love people. God, help us to be thankful to see what you are doing. That our cup isn't half empty, it's half full. God, we have much to be thankful for. You've opened our eyes to see you, to know you. You're so patient with us when we don't deserve it. Thank you, God. Help us, God, to be relational with the outsider, to walk in wisdom, that our words would be full of grace, salt, and light, and life.
that Jesus, we would reflect you. Thank you, God, that nothing, if our lives are in Christ, nothing can separate us from your love. You hold us. We don't hold you. For that, we are grateful. My friend, if you're here this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, God knows exactly where you're at. God is calling on you to repent and believe all that Jesus has done for you. And as you do, you become his child. And he becomes your father, not just your creator, but your dad who cares about you. He wants that relationship with you. Would you call upon him today? Father, use this time of worship and invitation as we worship your son and our Lord and Savior, Jesus. Would you stand with me, please? As we sing this song, God and God Alone, maybe you're here this morning and you want to talk to somebody about a relationship with Jesus. I would just encourage you to dismiss where you're at, where you're seated this morning. Find one of us in the dining hall. We would love to share with you this morning how to have a relationship with Christ. But let's worship our God who hold us. We don't hold him. Let's worship.